When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, it's Fulhamish Podcast. My name is Sammy James. This is your weekly sideways view of everything to do with Fulham Football Club. Thank you for downloading tonight's episode. It's the first show of February. The games are coming thick and fast and so are the podcasts. Joining me on the show tonight is Farrell Monk. Good evening, everyone. Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. And we're a man down for today's show. But unlike Slav, I've made a defensive substitution. We welcome back Don Betts. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Everyone, everyone else is good? All good. Thank you very much. So a bit of a mixed week for Fulham. I like to think of it as one step forward, two steps back, really, uh, in terms of the results this week. A great win midweek up at Burton. And then we travelled to the Midlands once again on Saturday and fell to our second defeat of the season at the hands of Birmingham City. It was once again by a 1-0 scoreline. However, going into this game, new manager Zola was yet to win a game in eight league attempts. How bad a result was this for Fulham? I think it's more that we're now six points off the playoffs. That's what makes it worse than the actual performance. The performance was very poor, considering how well we played in the second half against Burton. I was expecting us to, if we got an early goal, pretty much wipe the floor with Birmingham City, but that just didn't seem to happen. The first half was very similar to Burton in that there wasn't any proper chances for me that were, oh, we should have scored that. Farrell, we just can't seem to get a consistent run going, can we? And that's kind of what I meant with this whole one step forward, two steps back, because it just feels that, cool, Fulham have got a run. We've got an easy run of games in February. Here we go. Here's the run coming. And then once again, it comes to a grinding halt. Without that consistency, we can forget it, really, the whole playoff dream, can't we? I think one thing that we do need to take from it, though, that although the results haven't been that consistent, the performances have been largely okay on average. Um, it's not a case of where we'd go back to last season or the season before where we would have a really good performance and wipe the floor with the team and the next one we'd lose three or four nil. We are getting to a stage where it is better to see that one game we'd grind, grind out a good 2 nil result away from home and then over the 90 minutes I would say that a draw probably was a fairer result than a, than a one nil loss. There were chances either way but Birmingham probably did shave the uh, more of the clear-cut ones before the sending off. After that, I mean, it, we all, it all fell apart for us. But at least it's, it isn't as inconsistent as first thought. Jack, do you agree with Farrell's point of view that Fulham were unlucky not to at least take a point from St Andrews? I don't, I don't necessarily think that we were unlucky as such. I, I feel like we just we were brought down and brought down to play at a level that we weren't comfortable playing at. We played at a pace and a system that, that suited Birmingham far more than suited us and we let them get us and get into our heads. And uh, really, our, our inconsistency is staggering. And I know I said a few weeks back on pod that we didn't need consistency if we were going to go up. What we needed to do was beat the teams that we're better than. And again, we've managed to, we failed to beat a team that we are completely and utterly if you look at the two squads and you look at the two teams on paper we're a better side and I think that that's that's the problem it's not so much that we're winning one and losing one or is that we this was a winnable game and a game that 
we shouldn't have we shouldn't have been going into even to to get a draw. And you know when you're looking at a team and going, we're away from home, and you know they're a big physical side, and we lost them earlier season, and we're still looking at that game going, that should be a guaranteed three points. That we're in a good kind of place, but to be able to then not go and convert those kind of chances is. It you know is is not going to drive you into the playoff spots, and it's as simple as that, isn't it? Yeah, Jack's mentioned that Birmingham really disrupted Fulham's flow, and they were very happy to clatter down our players. But another thing that a lot of people have said is that Fulham have a soft underbelly. It's a big cliche in football, uh, the whole soft underbelly. I don't really know where it came from or why it's always used, but certainly once again we've come up against a team with this kind of attitude to playing football. And Fulham just struggled to seem to cope with it, Dom. Well, yeah, surely Slav should see this coming and maybe change it around a bit to maybe so we can counteract their style. Because the QPR game, again, their style totally counteracted us and we didn't re- we didn't really carve out many chances, like clear-cut ones anyway, and we don't seem to do that against these physical sides. I mean, there was maybe the Chris Martin header, uh, obviously the massive Aite chance in the last five, ten minutes or so. Criminal, yeah. Like, I don't, well, I don't understand, but why is he not going across goal? That just what I didn't understand straight yeah. away. But, I mean, apart from that, we didn't have a clear-cut chance, so maybe it's to do with these physical sides and we need to sort of find another way to break these sides down. Do you think we lack a bit of leadership? You say that, but I would I can label some leaders in the team. You've got the likes of Kevin McDonald, who I think has got leadership qualities. You could say Johansson does. Uh, to Kenny, I don't think he's a captain for me. Um, even likes of uh, Callas Maddow at the back... Uh, I even I'd even say like someone like Bettinelli in goal would put uh, would shout to his defenders, sort them out and stuff. But yeah, who the captain is being Kearney, I don't think he's the best choice for it. Do you think there's a bit of an over emphasis on the role of the captain within the team? They do say on the continent that the captain's role tends to sort of go to the most experienced player rather than someone who's the biggest leader. I just think, but, but, you know, we haven't got that either. So it's not necessarily, you know, yeah. that's not, I wouldn't argue that, you know, if that, that's, that's one thing. And you're going, if you're going to go, oh, we give it to our, you know, our player who's been there for the longest, and that's fine, but it's not what we're doing. I just think that Tom Kenny's a fair weather captain, as in he's brilliant when things are going well. And, you know, when you're looking for, you know, something to, to, to be created or when we're on top and you're looking for someone to thread the magic pass, then obviously that's an amazing thing to have, you know, someone like Tom Kenny there who's able to do that and able to do it in the role of the captain. But actually, when things get tough, he doesn't like it. And he doesn't like it being in the middle when he's getting clipped all over the place. He did an interview today with Get West London saying that he was fouled, he thought he was fouled 10 times in the space of five minutes against Birmingham. And he said... He questioned whether Zola had sent players out to stop him by fair method or by foul, was uh, I think the quote. And he's well, some of the challenges. Oh yeah, and com- our players were. I completely disgusting. agree. I completely agree with you. But I just think that you know where where we where are we going to get this leadership in? Because I don't think Park is the answer either. Because I don't think you at any point here we want to lose mobility in the centre of the park. So I think that. You know, it might be a question of people standing up to be counted when it gets a little bit tough. We've talked about Fulham having a better spirit this year. When we go down, we don't look like we're going to capitulate. But we also didn't look really like we were going to bring things back. And yes, Aide had a chance and yes, he should have done better. I'm not 100% with you on that. He should have 100% scored. I thought it was a reasonably tough angle, but he should have hit target. It, but it's we, just, we, I feel like we're so lacking in that kind of department of who's going to stand up and grab the team by the scruff of the neck in the 90th minute when we're one nil down. It's a massive cliche that, and we probably have picked on it a few times in the past few weeks, that when things start to get tough, we don't really have that plan B. It is a massive cliche, but we don't. 
we have players to bring on which are slightly different, but we all, we seem to just play the same way, even when it's not working. Well, it was really a test of Slav's plan B because the key turning point in the game, and I don't think either side would deny this, was Ryan Fredericks' red card in the 68th minute. We moved Callas to right back and Kevin McDonald back to centre back, but it just seemed to make it so easy for Birmingham to open us up at the back once he did that. I think the one one of uh, Birmingham's how they were getting through us was on the wings to start off with. They seemed to be good at sort of just getting that half a yard down the wing and pinging a good cross in. Um, and we just couldn't live with that to start off with. And against our first choice right back and our sort of second choice, or first and a half choice left back at Sessegnon, they were getting round them. And when Callas moved to the right back, it was just exposure central, really. Um, Callas just couldn't live with it. And the amount of times, like, he just wasn't keeping up with the one-twos, just simple things like that. And I really rate Callas as a centre-back, but it just seems he was really overexposed, even on a one-on-one situation. Dom, did you think it was a just red card for Ryan Fredericks? There's no doubting it was rash. I think it's a rash challenge, but at the time, I just thought it was a 50-50. I thought the ball was just sort of in the air. It's just, but... He doesn't need to go in like that. It's in the middle of the pitch. Like, I don't think it's a red card, but it won't get rescinded because the referee's got the right to send him off for it. But at the time, I just thought it was a simple 50-50 challenge. But as soon as I saw the reaction of the Birmingham players, I knew Fredericks was off. It was one of those where you, there's nothing you can do about it. Once the referee's produced that red card, he's perfectly within his rights to send him off. I think in the context of the game, considering some of the challenges that were thrown around by, by Birmingham for then it to become a red card straight away on Fredericks' first foul is 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 slightly harsh but he's you know he's he's reckless he's not in control when he goes in for that ball and the ref's within his rights yeah. to send him off and I don't think that there's too much you know you can say oh is it a bit one rule for one one rule for another but aside from that the actual challenge itself you know there's there's no getting away from the fact that it's a reckless and a rash challenge and yeah. you know when when that happens the ref you know, the ref's in his rights to do that. And I think that, you know, you look at it and Tom Kenny said, he said it's one of those where if it's against you, you want the ref to be pulling out the red. And if it's on your own team, you want him to be pulling out the yellow. And that's as simple as it. You know, he was like, there's no complaints there. Ryan's got that in him, though. I'm not mm. saying that Ryan's got necessarily a temperament, like a bit we saw from James' husband, who really had a hot head. I don't know if you can remember. Yeah. He got he got that red card against Birmingham City. Is that now three reds in a row, actually? I was going to say, of... it's in the games this, yeah. season, this, this season, it's been... Well, it's been two. We've lost one. We've lost twice to a one-nil defeat. Two red cards yeah. and two penalties. Was it Maddle, we did save Maddle off. two yellow cards, wasn't it? Yeah, in the first one. In the, fir- yeah. in the first half. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was actually the first podcast. Was uh, the Birmingham City game and this very lineup as well? It's like <laughs> deja vu. What I was trying to say is that Fredericks hasn't got a massive temper on him, but he is slightly reckless like that and someone of a bit more experience would have, have he had a bad touch would have thought ah oh, bad touch I'll back off here but Frederick's so eager sometimes to impress that he dives into a challenge like that when it's completely unnecessary with those I think when you when you do have a bad touch you're so eager to win the ball back and it was just slightly mistimed and because it was just slightly mistimed and it was such a big 50-50 like that where both players had to run from quite far away to get it and build up speed that any sort of one person nicking away from the other one is just going to make it seem like it's excessive force. And I think that's what the referee was going for, that it was an excessive force challenge. And even from even really experienced players, it happened. I'm just thinking about one in particular from Breda Hangeland against Sunderland a few years ago. And a hugely experienced footballer 
And it was an incredibly reckless challenge, even from him. I would say it was a similar situation. Yeah. But that tackle was strange. It sort of just changed our season. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. That was like a turning point for a massively worse season. I don't know what happened after that. Just there was nothing. It was a bit of a turning point, not just for the season, but for like the club, really. I feel like Fulham <laughs> never, never quite never picked... quite recovered from that challenge. We hope this one isn't quite as <laughs> yeah, desperate in its, uh, in its effects. Um, it has it has ruined our dream of the the four right the four English fullbacks for the Spurs game. It is terribly terribly oh, sad. Yeah, didn't even think. And of Ryan Fredericks isn't going to get to play against his old club. Very sad. I but, just uh, think if you're if you're listening, Ryan, it's all right, mate. <laughs> We're behind you all the way. It is. Sad, not only because it was our all-English full-back lineup of Walker, Rose, either Sessegnon or Malone uh, and Fredericks on the right, but also I feel like it's the kind of game where Fredericks would have thrived yeah, in that yeah. space. Especially when they've got, when they play, and we know how they play in terms of their full-backs are pretty much wingers the same way with us. Think of the gap down behind both the full-backs. You would, you would just see them running up and down all day long. It would have been quite exciting to watch. Big times for big Dennis. <laughs> he's practicing off the back yeah you better again. yeah exactly it's, it's on tv on. so uh you it's know gonna Dennis, be fine, go yeah. for it oh yeah the uh the back will be back again uh right so obviously the birmingham defeat was extra disappointing because of how good fulham's result and performance was in the week up at burton albion we finally we broke the curse against burton albion we finally got a win uh, and it was a brilliant evening at the Pirelli Stadium for all that were in attendance. Three and a half thousand in attendance at Burton. Now, I know it's not a big ground, but that's even quite low for Burton. It's the lowest championship attendance. I'd love to know the figures. I can't remember a Fulham game having as low attendance in years. Apart from maybe when we went to somewhere like Kettering or Accrington Stanley. But three and a half thousand is very low. Kettering was more than three and a half thousand because they got a temporary stand-in. Uh, to only come to see the Fulham. Yep. <laughs> Dom, you were at the uh, game on Wednesday night. Would it be one of your favourite aways of the season? It's my favourite away of the season, 100%. Just because it's a midweek, that always makes it better. Uh, it was a terrace, like an old school football ground. like, And it just it just felt a lot more a togetherness and community of the fan. It's a bit different when you're at someone like Villa or where there's like two tiers and stuff like that. But it, it was just a result, the performance in the second half. Yeah, it was definitely the best away this season. And I just, it's just something about midweek aways that I seem to love. Like, I remember whole last season, we lost 2-1, but it was still one of the best away games of last season. But it and was a great second-half performance, but it was quite a poor first half. Yeah, I was going to say, we were quite cagey. And it's just because Burton weren't really doing anything. They were just sitting back and letting us press on them. And it didn't really give in the first half, but in the second half, it just gave way after, what, two minutes when, yeah. when Johansson scored? I mean, half the Fulham fans were still in the bar. <laughs> and, but we, but we, we still got to sort of see the goal because they had Sky Sports News on. And then it just went crazy in the bar for a bit and, and then just everyone ran back to the terrace. Were you uh, queuing up for your WKD Blue? Uh, it actually it was uh, passion fruit, actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know you're going to bring it, uh, bring it up later about how few goals Fulham have scored in the first half an hour. And I think the Burton game is a perfect example where a team has come out. And I think a lot of teams do say, look, first half an hour, first half, the, you know, Fulham are going to come at us. Let them, let them get tired out. Let them get frustrated. And then after halftime, start to come out. And that does kind of play into our hands a little bit that we like a more open team. We definitely have covered that for a long time, that a team that are more open against us tends to play into our hands rather than a cagey sit back and defend kind of team that hit us on the break. 
Well, it's a hell of a stat, um, according to Andy Glockner on Twitter. Uh, Fulham, as Farrell said, have only scored three league goals in the first 30 minutes of matches this season. Uh, We've scored 48 goals in total. Now, obviously, that's what Farrell thinks. Jack, have you got any other kind of logical explanation? I did think that perhaps it was to do with the fact that we play keep ball. Teams actually have to run around and collect the ball for the first half an hour, obviously... It's quite, you know, you're in the first ebbs of your energy levels. And I suppose that after a while, they start to, you know, they start to fall apart. And and that's when teams become more open and become more broken apart because they literally can't keep up those energy levels that it takes to close Fulham down, especially when we're stroking the ball around, you know, left to right, right to left and, and drawing teams apart. And I suppose that that kind of system must eventually tire tire other teams out. And so thus late goals are probably more common. Correct. Uh, one thing that I did notice, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if I do get this wrong, that watching back the, the highlights just from the kickoff, that usually what happens is, especially we Fulham got the kickoff, um, they play it back to someone and then the striker or the winger goes directly, tries to charge them down straight away. That didn't seem to happen with Birmingham. Literally, no one moved away from their own half. I think Birmingham were set up just to sort of sit back for the first 10, 15 minutes or so and try and hit us on the break. And I think that's what a lot of teams do. It's just that kind of striker from the kickoff not chasing anything down was a change. Although I suppose that striker was Juchovic. He's not exactly the most mobile person in the world. He was probably gearing up. He's a big to... lump. Yeah. <laughs> I've just, uh, In answer to your um, previous point, I've just been doing a little tiny bit of research, uh, is that the lowest attendances for, for Fulham grounds... Um, on the 7th of July 2011 against NSI Runavik in Iceland, <laughs> the attendance was 1,245 as we played our nil-nil draw. What, a friendly or Europa League? Uh, Europa, Europa League. It's oh. where we went through via the fair play. Is that one of our fair play ones? Yeah. I've kind of... That, I think that was the first round. I've totally forgotten that whole, like, pre-qualifying. <laughs> but yeah. even the group stage when, obviously, when Adents beat us, was it? And we had, what, nil... Drew. Drew, Drew I mean, we had nil Etheridge in goal. And then, like, Karen Fry on the wing, who I was hoping didn't wasn't going to come on and score the winner. Yeah, that would have been really hard. Saturday, and then Adebayorvi away end from the other side of the pitch. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, that Europa League one was just so strange. Well, I was reminded of it, reminded of it at the uh, Medeski, because on the screens in the concourse at the Medeski, uh, Reading chose to put on the Fulham... 2011-2012 season DVD. It was very Ooh. strange, that. It was very odd. But quite compelling viewing, because it was some games that I'd forgotten about, and one of them was that horrendous Odenza game, where, was it... Who it was, was Orlando that? Sarr, who didn't just boot the ball into the oh, stands. Oh, yeah. Criminal. Absolutely I was criminal. at a staff Christmas party, my mate. I was t- t- keeping up with the score, and I saw it was like 2-1 with like a minute to go. And then put my phone away. The next thing I saw five minutes later was loads of my friends going, out, out, out. <laughs> what? <laughs> I was at the cottage that night and there have been, I've not ever heard it like it was when they went around the other end of school. It was like, because there wasn't really any away fans, it was like pin drop. It, like the whole stadium was just in like a really weird shocked silence. It was it was really really odd. Like everyone was just like, "What what what's just happened?" What's just happened? Like that's nuts. It was it was really it's really really weird how that's, quiet it was. I've seen a video of like the other side of it where uh, who it was Viswa Krakow who were the team that benefited from that. And there's a video of all the, the players just going around clapping like, "Oh, we're out we're out the cup." Blah blah. blah. Thanks for everyone coming. And then all of a sudden, everyone, all the Polish fans, erupted out of nowhere, and all the players are jumping around. 
I quickly went off that YouTube yeah, channel. I didn't, I didn't <laughs> watch that anymore. I would be quite interested to see that, though. If you find it, let's post it on Twitter just to... No. No? No? <laughs> no. We, might, we might get... Absolutely not. Oh, just, I'd be interested <laughs> to see. I thought other people might be too, but clearly I'm wrong. <laughs> Listeners, if you let us know. If, if you'd like to see that, please do, please do tweet us. And if you don't want to see it, please just tweet Sammy. <laughs> I'm a bit of a masochist sometimes. Yeah. I like to see the moments. I go through the pain. Yeah, I like to experience the pain again. So let's go back to the Burton game. Fulham's goal um, as Dom mentioned came in the 48th minute just after half time. He was still ordering his passion fruit WKD. A uh, brilliant run by Aluko down the right hand side. Fell lovely for Steph Joe. <laughs> Steph Johansson. There we go. We'll catch on one day, Jack. It'll catch on one day. Not if Dom has anything to do with <laughs> no. it. Dom, Dom's not a fan. We could make it a really boring Fulham chart on like Stefan Johansson. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> that's what it'll be, not in Fulham. It's not. Yeah. It's Seven Nation Army, isn't it? That's what they do. Oh, Stefan oh, Johansson. Have some originality. Literally make up a new song. With, with Fulham, Fulham fans, we don't do that. Useless. Well, we have made up another new song. <laughs> Who knew that the logical song by Scooter would end up into a chant. Great chant, Dom. It's great. This is the only thing I remember from the second half, to be fair. <laughs> like, apart from uh, the second goal, I, all I remember was chanting Scotty Malone. <laughs> we can blame... do that every time Dom starts talking. Yeah. <laughs> you can blame Western Sydney Wanderers. I was just about to say to, this to start that chant. Yeah, it's not a, everyone. You know, it's not just a Celtic chant. Although we have based our one on the Celtic version rather than the Western Sydney Wanderers version. But they were the ones that you know. Oh, uh, they're the ones that start. It begins. Yeah, they're ones. It's a bit uh, more of like a, a battle cry. I think it's called like Call to Arms or something like that. And it's a I, bit more. Uh, you know, you inked your name on my heart. And uh, <laughs> it's a little bit more poetic, the I, Western Sydney one. I don't think that Fulham fans could do a call to arms type chant. No, it's a bit it's a bit odd, but it's nice. It's a nice song. So. Speaking of that, I'm very glad that Fulham never tried to do the Icelandic clap. Oh, thank God for that. Yeah, really, really. I mean, just good. doesn't suit us. Just doesn't suit us. Anyway, back to Steph Joe, his seventh in 12 games now. Starting to become a bit prolific, Steph Joe. Loves goals, loves the club. Give him the armband. <laughs> <laughs> um, but once again, like, proving his worth in the middle of the park. Well, he was man in a match by a fairly long way in that game. There was no one else that stuck out at me. I mean, knowing Fulham fans, I thought Scott Malone might win it just because he scored. I just... And that's how, like, the Fulham man in a match, it just drives me crazy. Because if a player scores, he normally gets like half the votes. I don't understand how that works. I mean, it's a bit of a weird one that we ask the fans to vote for a man of the match when invariably, well, there must have been 500 fans at Burton, but we ask the people that weren't there. It's quite hard to judge a man of the match if you've only seen two minutes worth of Sky highlights. There's, um, interestingly, Tom McElroy tweeted at Christmas, actually, from Ipswich, saying there aren't too many midfielders in the league better than Tom Kearney, but I think Stefan Johansson may be one of them. And I remember looking at that at the time and being like, yeah, Fair. yeah, really, really good point. So thank you to Thomas McElroy for that one. Uh, and also, on the 13th of December, Stefan Johansson surpassed Tom Kearney as Fulham's best player according to who scored ratings. They are. Do you regularly just type into Twitter... Steph Johansson. Johansson. Yeah. <laughs> mostly mostly th- Google image yeah. search, actually. <laughs> As a look at Steph it. Johansson topless. Yeah. I, I can guarantee it's one of your tweet deck columns just on the side, Steph Johansson. Yeah, have a little search. Hashtag Johansson. <laughs> well, I see him every day on my desk at work. Um, I've still got Jack's signed frame uh, of <laughs> Stephanie Johansson. By signed, it's Jack's signing of Steph it, yeah. Johansson, not actually <laughs> Steph Joe himself. But I do get to look at um, the... Two Sammy stay in school, Jack. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then Fulham's 
Uh, second was a sweeping team move, finished expertly by Scotty Malone. Uh, and as I say, that new chant clearly uh, inspired him to get that goal. He had to. Yeah, but I'd, when it first happened, I thought, oh, he just tried to cross that and he just got lucky and it's got in the top corner because I hadn't seen no replay or anything of it. And I was like, no, he's just aimed it in the top corner. Yeah. It's just gone straight in. It reminded me a lot because of what's being a terrorist in behind the goal. And I was pretty much stood in the exact same place where Kearney scored against Brentford. It just reminded me a lot of that goal because it, it felt literally the same because I was standing in the exact same position on a terrace. And yeah. Yeah, that was wonderful. Apart getting absolutely body crushed at the front of the terrace when he went in the back of the net. <laughs> uh, so in a moment, we're going to move on to talking about Fulham's uh, deadline day signing, Gohi Syriac. And we're also going to do the Fulham alone 11. Uh, but first of all, a, a bit of a call to arms. I know Farrell said that we Fulham shouldn't do call to arms, but I'm going to try one now. Uh, so the podcast is going really well. We're really grateful for all of you guys uh, downloading the podcast every week and sharing it. The numbers that listen to this podcast every week are amazing and you're great at getting involved on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. Uh, but we want to push this podcast even further and hopefully you might be able to help us. So what we would like, uh, with still loads of things that we'd like in order to push the podcast further. We're still looking for writers for the website. We'd like the, some more articles on there. So if you're a young, up-and-coming, budding journalist uh, and you're looking for a bit of a platform to share your views on, then um, fullamish.co.uk is a great place to do that. So again, contact for that. We'd also love some help from graphic designers as well, if you can help us maybe look a bit sleeker online. And also, if you have a company and you'd like to advertise to the thousands of Fulham fans that listen to Fulhamish every week, you've got a bit of money, you want to do a bit of advertising, uh, then please do get in touch, fullamishpod at gmail.com. And we've got loads of different options that we can make work for you. Anyway, the call to arms is over guys you can all breathe do, do, do. beautiful <laughs> <laughs> and let's move on to Fulham's new number nine uh, Fulham's only deadline day signing was Gohi B Syriac is that how you pronounce it I mean, there a Zorro in there I, I think there Zorro. is I mean I only really know who he is because he was like good on like FIFA 12 or FIFA 13 that's literally the only reason I know who he was well, he's been given the 9-9 shirt, which was vacant ever since Matt Smith went to QPR. He's an Ivorian 26-year-old striker, signed on loan from Ustende, uh, and Fulham have the option to buy him. Scored 18-54 and 54, uh, for the Belgium club. Uh, guys, what did we make of this signing? Well, he's played for two of the big three in Belgium. He's played for Liège and Anderlecht, just hadn't played for Club Rouge. Uh, and he won, like, two Belgian leagues, and secondly, with Anderlecht, three Belgian Super Cups. So, I mean, he has done well-ish in the Belgian league. But it's just obviously such a massively different uh, league to the Premier League. At least he's a different, sort of a different striker to like Chris Martin. He's a bit more uh, nippy, quick sort of player. A lot of fans seemed underwhelmed, Farrell, by our deadline day signings. I think a lot of people were hoping for a lot more than just one striker. I imagine lots of fans would have just been underwhelmed because it was not a Jordan Rhodes for 10 million from Sheffield Wednesday and it was a signing that people haven't heard of and a lot of people upset it was a signing on loan even though we've got the option to buy him so we might as well have bought him I don't really see that as too much of a complaint were you underwhelmed or do you think it's alright but maybe not the best um, I certainly just thought it's alright I'm not too fussed about transfer deadlines and all this kind of stuff I concentrate more what happens on the pitch if we're winning games I'm not too fussed about what's going on in the transfer market but I can certainly understand why fans would be underwhelmed because there is this um, there is this thing with fans that we want to be a buying club. We want to be a club that buys lots of players and 
uh, really marquee signings. We want to spend ten million pounds on Jordan Rhodes. We want to go out and get Connor Hurahan. We, you know, we want to get these players because it is kind of exciting. I mean, I, in all honesty, like I was just, um, I was beside myself when Dimitar Berbatov signed. I mean, whether you like him or not, I mean, he was a big, massive signing. So I can understand why people, fans would be underwhelmed, especially when we are signing players that we don't know anything about, apart from looking up their Wikipedia article. Or if Dom's played with them on FIFA. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But, I mean, I think it was more of the Jan- the January strike signings in the Championship. Like, Forrest got McCormack on loan and they got Zach Clough. Yeah. And I'm surprised Zach Clough was still at Bolton by the January transfer window. I thought someone should have snapped him up in the summer. Obviously, you had Sam Winnell, Jordan Rhodes. Both going to Wednesday. Both going to Wednesday, a promotion chasing rival. And, I mean, I think that was more of it. Fulham fans like to sign players who they've heard about. Yeah. Instead of these unknown quantities. Which I is, guess that's kind of natural. Yeah, it's, it's certainly understandable. But, I mean, when you, look at, when you look at last season, and last season was just one of the very few that, I've, if ever, that I've ever had, and I thought, I can't wait for this, this season to end because it was going so badly. To finish 19th in the league, and where we are when at, the, at the end of the transfer window was 8th or 9th. I mean that's such a massive improvement in just in just six months. Well, I said before the season I'd, I'd take it to top our finish, like twelfth, yeah, eleventh. I think I predicted like twelfth before the season started. So, and a few a few players. Well, Matt Smith has gone, and we've a couple of other players have gone out on loan. But why do we need to change so much? Why do we need to bring in unless some unless the exactly the right player needs to come in? Gone are the days where we can get where we can sustain a squad of thirty, forty people. Uh, Slavica probably wants a nice core group of players that he can, everyone knows each other. I just think that I suppose it comes down to whether or not you think this squad has sufficient depth to cover things if we have injuries. And I made a point on Twitter and was quickly shot down because I thought that you could still recall players from loans and you can't unless it's in the transfer window. So really? I think so. I that I was under the impression that I thought it was quite a good thing for people like Tunnicliffe and Christensen to be out on loan because if there was an injury to one of our you know central midfielders, we'd have the we'd have two players who are playing regular football week in week out to be able to pull back. But that's not the case. And I was quickly yeah hundred percent. Is that is that a new thing? For yes, this new year? season, new new oh, thing okay. this season. Because I'm sure wasn't it James Husband got recalled? Cool, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, this is a new thing this season, so you can't oh. do that. So. That was the only thing that slightly concerned me. I think Someone the, better tell, uh, tell Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 200 players out on loan. Well, they have about 200 players in their squad, so yeah. it's, uh, it's, a, it's one of those. But yeah, I think that's the only place you can see there being you know, difficulty. And I think that Slav knows who he's playing with and who he wants. And you can see it's all well, it's all well and good being like, oh, look at Woodrow going out and scoring a goal for Burton. But, you know, meh, if he's not going to be in Slav's plans, I'd rather he's out scoring goals for someone. Yeah, and, and, you know, and also if it comes down to it and you know Burton beat Sheffield Wednesday 2-1 and the goals come from LVC and Woodrow you know you're going to be going what management that was well, you know <laughs> absolutely unbelievable so I think that you know we've brought in Syriac who's who's going to be an option in a 3-5-2 I think that's the difference instead of having to play one of our you know midfielder come strikers alongside mine we actually have an option for a straight up 3-5-2 at this point and with two strikers who are clearly very different we can you know look to play if we want to play that kind of flick on game and all that kind of you know thread passes through and have another striker you know to, to make those kind of runs so it changes us in that aspect because it means that we have two out and out strikers who have 
very different kind yeah. of viewpoints. I think, you know, he, you look at him and you look what he said about it and he said, I'm very quick and I'm fast and I like to score goals. I don't know if anyone's seen the video of him joining. He's a tank. He's so big. Like, as in, he's literally like walking around a bit like a Dorito. And um, <laughs> he's just there, like, he's absolutely stacked. And I was like, well, you know, if he's fast and he's strong and he, you know, he's looking to gain behind defences, then it's another option for us and it gives us another dimension and hopefully he'll come through and he'll be able to do a job. And, you know, whether he does or not you know we think that we have the core group of a good squad here and I think that no one will argue that you know while we do lack some things in our squad we definitely lack depth but in terms of obviously at the weekend we showed that we're not perfect yeah by any means or any stretch of the imagination but we you know we'd all agree that the core group of this squad is you know a a really good group and bear in mind we put in 14 new faces in the summer and two new ones now that's a that's a turnover of a lot of players and you know for us to then go out and be like oh the the chairman hasn't backed the club in this window. I think he's a bit mad because, you know, it might not be all spending money on transfers and new signings and wages, but actually when you look at what he's put in, and we had this discussion a few weeks back about the uh, facilities and the academy and all of those things that you can invest in without having to look at what FFP and all that kind of thing. And if then we need to overhaul the squad in the summer, there's money there and we haven't spent madly for no reason. I think that, you know, you've got to look at what what we've done and where we're going and think that there's a positive signs and if the you know if if Slav's unhappy about the transfers then I can understand the kind of vitriol that's being aimed at the board and stuff but nothing has come out to suggest that he is yeah. he's not come out this time you know in the summer he was very vocal about being like I want to sign more players and this time he said at the start of the window yeah I'm looking at getting some players in but there's been nothing since the deadline day or in the media after either of the games this week that suggested that he's not happy with his squad. So, And if he's happy to let those players go out on loan, you'd imagine that he is. Yeah. So, you know, until we get that kind of confirmation, I don't see how anyone can be chucking vitriol at the board. Absolutely agree, 100% there. It's, uh, it, it follows on nicely what we were talking about earlier, you know, that plan B kind of stuff that now we do have like that striker who's a bit more of a chilly heat wave Dorito as opposed to a cool Chris Martin Dorito. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it is, it is actually good that we now have that kind of guy that's going to be alongside Chris Martin or uh, uh, alongside Aluko, he's going to sort of break that offside trap and sort of, yeah. you know, try and get beyond some h- higher up defences who are going to be trying to tackle us. And it is, you know, maybe he would have been good three or four games time to actually sort of bring on all things being equal when we had 11 v 11 to actually bring on a, a Syriac where, with half an hour to go. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've got a call. You got a shitty heatwave. Who's the tangy cheese? Is the, uh, Farrell is always the tangy cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take with that. With lines like that. Um, so now with this squad that we've got left and seeing what Fulham have done over 29 games, uh, the big question, as always, can Fulham make the playoffs? It's going to be hard. I think there is certainly a potential that we can make it. I know this is sitting on the fence massively, <laughs> but it can happen. Definitely. There is a chance. There is a chance. I mean, there are some very good sides above us, directly above us. And it's not just the four that are currently occupying the playoff spots, but even the two just below them. So, And they're probably looking at Fulham thinking, there's definitely a potential that they can creep up on us. So I think there's a chance. It's difficult, but we do certainly need to get our acting gear and start grinding out some results and start putting our chances away. Dom, do you think it's beyond us? I do. I think it is. I think it's. I just. I just. We're just too inconsistent, and I can't see us getting on a runner of, of like wins. I think this t- was the time to do it because I said up until we have Newcastle, which will be next month, unless we beat Sp- on the fifteenth of March, I believe, unless we beat Spurs, and then it will get 
moved. But yeah, I think I think we'll be there or thereabouts, but I think we'll just about miss out on it. My heart says yes. My head says that unless we go on some sort of streak very quickly, we're gonna we're gonna lose touch. Bear in mind, you know, it's all well and good that we say we're six points off the playoffs now, but when you consider that actually we're eleven points behind fifth, we're mm. starting to reach a territory. And yes, that you know, Leeds have played one more game than us, but even with that, we're eight points behind them if we win that game in hand. Mm. And that's a lot of ground to make up. I'm not saying it's impossible, but I think that we need to show something more than what we've done thus far if we're going to do that. And I think that currently we're playing good football and not being able to kill off games. And if teams are now going to go, oh, look what Birmingham did, look what QPR did, and go, oh, we'll find a way. We're going to have to find a way through that very, very quickly or we're going to lose. I don't think we have enough space now to lose any more important points that we should be winning. We're starting this Saturday with Wigan at home. Uh, the return of Dan Byrne to Craven Cottage. And Tunners. Well, and tunners and Ryan Tunnicliffe, although they won't be allowed to play. Uh, and then <laughs> Have you got your sign ready that says, I still come, love you, Tunners? Come home, Tunners. <laughs> Is it going to be like the, well, we can't recall the, the Jagger him. one? The uh, A4 sheet of paper with the name <laughs> De Jagger written on it in a black diary. <laughs> <laughs> goes without saying that it just needs to be a standard routine at home win. Anything less mm. than three points at a convincing victory probably won't be satisfactory. I watched the uh, Sheffield uh, Wednesday Wigan game on Friday night and although Wigan, especially in the second half, dominated Sheffield Wednesday without creating too much chances, it kind of shows how weak they are as a team that their best chances fell to Dan Byrne. And any sort of header, any sort of shot fell to their centre-back, who, with all due respect, isn't going to be scoring 30 goals a year. I think that shows how weak a team Wigan are in general. He's going to score. I'm telling you he's going to score at the weekend. And, oh, I'm and kiss his badge. I'm Dunbar's biggest attractor, although I think he's a nice bloke. Um, <laughs> I'm his biggest attractor. I have absolutely no time for the argument that Dan Byrne liked the club a bit. Like, you know, just, but he loved no. us and yeah. therefore deserved to stay. No, there's a difference between <laughs> loving the club. I like I like a lot of players who love the club. Don't I'm not even I'm just gonna bite. So yeah, <laughs> it. Like, if you nibble me on that one, I'm going to bite. But it's one of those. He's gonna score. I'm telling you he's gonna score. I All mean right. the best thing he did in his film career was playing for Yeovil and knocking when he beat Brentford in the playoff final. But when he hit the post in his last ever appearance and he'd gone on a marauding Harry Uh, Maguire-esque run from centre-back, I was like, what are you doing? (laughs) Why have you not showed this for the last two and a half seasons? So, Kahibi Syriac has signed for Fulham on loan. And what I thought would be an interesting thing at the end of the podcast is to create a Fulham loan 11. Fulham love a loan. I don't know if it's just because I support them and I notice it a bit more, but I swear we've always had our fair share of loans more than other clubs seem to use the loan system at the moment it seems to be a bit like we kind of try before we buy it's almost like we can buy this striker and we can get a refund on it um so we'll always have the option to buy Uh, so can we come up with an all-time fulham loan 11 now i put a tweet out earlier today i also put an instagram out as well um asking you guys what you thought as well so many uh, suggestions uh, for the Fulham loan eleven. So we're going to go. We're going to do a four four two, or should we see how it lies? I mean, I'm, I've got a four two three one. I've got a four five one, which is basically off the side of, of Dom's. So okay, well let's start with the goalkeeper. There's less options uh, in this department. There's only two options. Yeah, there's literally two options, and they're both terrible. Okay, <laughs> well let's uh, let's start out by reading out both the goalkeeping loan eleven options. We've got Tony Warner yes. and Jan Lastuska. Funny was thing he about, on loan? Yeah, yeah, he was. The funny yeah, thing yeah. about Tony Warner is I saw him playing in Hong Kong last year 
and he kept a clean sheet. I was like, that just has not happened. Tony Warner just not has not kept a clean sheet by making a mistake the entire game. But yeah, you got to pick the better one out of them two, which Warner. I got. I went Warner. Yeah, I went. As well. You've got to go, Tony Warner. Surely, like he had a few good games. Yeah, he did. He, he was, had a few really good games yeah. and then a few absolute clangers, didn't he? Yeah. Say. I think there his was most... a reason why. Was it? Did he get on loan from Cardiff or something like that? No, it was he... a bit random. It was yeah, and they were, he was like the third choice keeper there as well. Oh, there was also oh Joe you know, Lewis. I was just about to say Joe Lewis is arguably the best lone goalkeeper we've had. <laughs> Joe Lewis know? was all right. The weirdest thing about I think it was when we had Burnley away on the Tuesday night. We asked him to take a picture of us. <laughs> We, we, we had a flag up in the stand. So, oh, can we? Can you take a picture of us? And then he thought we wanted a picture of him, and he was like, oh, uh, no. <laughs> what does your flag say? Viva John Pansil. Ah, oh, fair enough. He didn't do a, do you know who I am moment, did he? No, Dom did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, we'll go for Tony Warner in goal. He had that clanger against Middlesbrough. Yeah. Let's and, not talk about it. And Bolton. <laughs> Bolton, he dropped the yeah, ball. Yeah. Off it's that cool. night, then Heiger Helgson just tapped it in. Yeah, that was it. it was, was it pouring with rain that night? I feel yeah. like it was. Healy scored. Even, even though it was in like August. Yeah. yeah it was yeah. all ex-Fulham players <laughs> scoring goals against us. <laughs> uh, so we're on to the defence. I'll, I'll read out a few uh, from Twitter to get us started. Uh, Alex Harris says, uh, Paul Stalteri, very underrated in our 07-08 survival run. I think we picked up upon that when we did the Forgotten Fulham. Yeah. And someone else that also featured in the Forgotten Fulham, there's a lot of crossover here between the loans and Forgotten Fulham, uh, is Elliot, who said uh, Nicky Shorey was pretty handy in his time here. Um, so there's a couple to get us started. Farrell, uh, any for the defence? Uh, I would have gone with uh, Wayne Bridge, who was just incredible. He, was come, he came to us... Um, when he was trying to regain fitness after having a lengthy injury, and he was just, well, he's definitely an England international right there. Um, so I'd definitely pick in. And the other one I would say would be Moritz Foltz. Yeah. There was a lot of chat. There was a lot of calls for um, for Wayne Bridge on yep. Twitter. Um, and Moritz Foltz has got his fair fair amount of uh, admirers as well. I think that... Stout, the Stalteri Vault debate is probably the hottest one on Twitter, I'd argue. <laughs> David Preston. All of Twitter, not just Fulham. David Preston's, I really liked, which he said, I've got to add to the Gwayne Bridge bucket. <laughs> he was great <laughs> while we had him. He was. He was, he was the best player in that team by a country mile. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'd, 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 I went Wayne Bridge. I also went Philippe Albert. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. That's a great the marauding centre back himself. Um, and Tommy, I've actually gone Tommy Callas. Yeah. Uh, yeah. For centre half, so I just went for. Maddle and Callas. I oh, said, I forgot about Maddle. I also said uh, Sasha Rita at right back as well because he started off on loan. Rita was probably a better player than Volts. Rita, Rita was better when he was on loan. Yeah, he was. Yeah. And then when he signed, yeah, yeah he was a bit rubbish. So I guess he can't do Maddle. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Um, okay, so who are we gonna go for at right back? It I'm seems saying, like I'm saying Volts. I'm saying Volts. I think I'd say Volts as much for the cult hero ness as also his general play. And that goal at Chelsea. Yeah, yeah and the 10,000th yeah. goal. Yeah. 15,000. That's yeah. the one. 15,000 volts. All right, we'll go for Moritz Volts at right back. Um, well done, you're through to the next round. Yeah. <laughs> uh, left back seems fairly unanimous. Bridge. 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 Well, okay. Nicky, yeah, yeah. Honourable mention for Nicky Shorey. Well done, Nicky yeah. Shorey. That's again, that's two well, honourable well, mentions. <laughs> I mentioned it before, but Steve Sidwell picked Nicky Shorey yeah, and yeah, Ashley yeah. Goal. <laughs> so Ashley, he can have that one, but he can't have the Fulham loan 11. No, one. You, or, or, the, or the forgotten Fulham 11. He's not getting that true. either. Uh, and then at centre back, uh, Philip Albert, Thomas Callas got mentioned. 
Uh, I didn't see many centre-backs. Yeah, yeah we, we haven't loaned too many centre-backs. Um, there's one more. Oh, there's Jetu. Oh, Martin Jetu, yeah. He was oh. more of a centre-mid. Yeah, he was, a bit of an, he was a bit of a... Uh, he was a, a bit job of, Yeah, he did a job everywhere kind of bloke. Yeah, that's all I've got. Or wasn't any good in any specific position. No, not really, no. just... I think he definitely played more centre-mid than centre-back. We're going to have to go for Albert and Callas yeah. then. Okay. Maddle. Albert and Callas. Right, so moving into the midfield, I think there are so many options. Do you think a four? Do you think a four four two? Million midfielders. No, four five one. I'm saying because yeah, the striker options aren't exactly great. And there's only one striker that should be in this side. Okay, so four five one. Okay, so let's start off. Let's just let's just do a free for all of uh, midfielder mentions, and then we'll try and pick up the mess. We've got Danny Murphy. That's the yeah, main. Danny Murphy. We've got Danny Murphy. I had Jonathan Greening. Danny Murphy. Eyong Eno. Second for final, just for Huddersfield away. Junichi Inamoto. Junichi Inamoto is a great shout. He was a two-year loan, wasn't yeah, he? Yeah, he was a two-year yeah. loan from Palmer. Yeah. And, and yeah. Morgan Calton, uh, who suggested him, said, uh, up to our Japanese fan base at the very least. Yeah, yeah he did. He did. That is very he much true. did wonders in that department. We sold shirts for also, days. Also, he, he, he scored a brace in the Inter- Intertoto Cup final. Yes. Yeah, he did. So, yeah. Um, two really good goals. Yeah, two excellent he, goals. He, had a, he, he had scored a hat na- trick in one game, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, he, he had a knack for scoring out of the um, outside the box. Yeah. I believe he scored a hat trick in the final against Bologna. No, he scored two. I think was it two? I think so. Okay, well I'll be proven wrong on and that. You got, one. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Some you got, of our stats yeah. are. Uh... <laughs> we got Lewis Holtby. Yeah, yeah, so many people mentioned him. Erby Emanuelson. Yeah, and I had Emanuelson. Wayne Routledge. See, Wayne Routledge was on the photo. No, Sammy, you're right. Was it, he hat scored a hat trick? Completely correct. Ha! For once in my life. Why? Why don't you ever check the stats that I say and you <laughs> repost me on? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's loads of mentions in there. Uh, Glass half Fulham did say got to be Zachary Labiad. Yeah, classic. Uh, and yeah. he changed. He changed our club. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I was really excited about Zachary Labiad. I thought he was going to be a revelation on loan for well, Sporting Lisbon. Well, yeah, because he's a football manager, wonder kid. So he's got to be good. I've got Fabrice Fernandez on my left wing. Yeah, on my right wing. I mean, we're forgetting not Olivier Dacour. Yeah. Peter Beardsley. How about that? Peter Beardsley. Back was, in 1998. Yeah, from... He, he was on loan from someone like Portsmouth score, as well. Score, or someone really odd. He did score a few goals. And then also, I'm just uh, looking back through a few more. Louis Boamorte. Yeah, he's got to go in. He has to go in. I mean, he was absolutely... I mean, he was a blistering player even when we signed him permanently, but an amazing player on loan as well. Did he get 20 goals on loan that season? Or if... Almost, I think. Um, so there's loads of options in there. Rowan Ince. I mean, I said Lucas Piazza, mainly just because I've been on a tube with him. Oh, yeah. Okay, that's Lucas Piazza. He's, he's a worthy mention. And, he's, and, he, and he pretty much hates Chelsea, so that's another reason. He for does hate Chelsea. <laughs> Piazza on. Oh, Piazza on, yeah. There's only one real up-front option. Or okay. We'll decide on these ones first. Let's go. Let's let's I've stick. I, I think we go for the midfield. So I heard Louis Bermorte has to go. I in think he's there. got to go on the left wing. Yeah. Okay. So Louis Bermorte on the left wing. Right. Sounds good. How about in the middle of the park? Danny Murphy is just yeah, has Danny to be Murphy. in there. Yeah. Okay. Danny Murphy sounds good. I, I quite like um, Peter Beardsley. I think Inamoto and Beardsley are the uh, two uh, gold at that point. I'm not going to okay. lie to you. Inamoto scored a hat trick in our first ever European final. We can't leave him out. We're <laughs> not allowed. <laughs> He's the reason we have the John. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. He's contributed so much to Fulham folklore. Moments that made FFC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then maybe on the right, could you say, it's not his natural position, Lewis Holtby. There's also Emmanuel. No, Emmanuel's one of the sensitive there mistakes. Is Fabrice, there is Fabrice Fernandez. Luke Harvey, has, Luke Harvey has come up with an absolute worldie. 
Giles Barnes. Oh, yeah, an excellent <laughs> royal player. You know, he got the seven shirt. We had Seal Kihion, who wore seven, <laughs> right? And then Giles Barnes came in and we took the shirt off Seal and gave it to Giles Barnes. Did we? And then six weeks later, six months later, he went back to Derby and we gave yeah. the shirt back to Seal. <laughs> like that, <laughs> that happened. He, you know, my... said to 14, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He went for the 40. For... Have we ever had a good player? Where the number seven? Uh, no, I'm waiting for the call up. This yeah. is my number. Uh, <laughs> there must be. Oh, yeah, we Even though Mar- you play like Mar- Pembridge, wonderful. Uh, Paul Trollope. Paul Trollope, yeah. Mark Pembridge scored a wonderful free kick at Stamford Bridge. He scored an absolute worldie against Birmingham City in the League Cup. Yes. Like right foot yes. from like a ridiculous angle. That's just one of those goals you dream of. Yeah. Ryan Fredericks. Good player. Oi! See, <laughs> <laughs> man, he's not on loan. No, okay. Um, who have we, we got on the right wing? So I, I said you could put Holtby in there. It's not his natural position. You could also put Wayne Routledge or Fabrice or Fabrice Fernandez. Fabrice Fernandez did have a brilliant celebration. Oh, yeah. I think it he could did be the aeroplane with his tongue out. There was Fabrice Fernandez was known for producing amazing performances only when he wanted to. <laughs> he was just one of these players that kind of lays around the pitch, and then suddenly within. Two minutes, he produced like the most amazing bit of skill, score a goal, but then for the next eighty-eight minutes, would do absolutely nothing. He scored that free kick against United, didn't yeah, he? That's, he did, that's yeah. what he's remembered for—that yeah. ridiculous free kick against United. He I was think also he known... should go in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd go for it. He was also Any known objections? for being habitual late arriver. He was fined a lot by Tigana for turning up for training late a lot. Yeah, the only demand I make is Holtby to not be in the team. <gasps> I know that will. That hasn't gone down well, yeah. But like, I just, don't, I just didn't rate him. Ooh. He, I just, he just had passion, and Fulham fans seemed to love that. Nah, he, was, he was quality. We don't, I don't have think much he was. passion. We do like it. It's a bit Piazon. We like passion. We know, even though Piazon, like, you know, he's good. He's good, but he's not like that good. But we like him because he loves the club. I would say Lewis Holby is quite absolute quality. There's a, I just was, wasn't there's a, a reason why he's. You know, yeah, he is doing quite well for Hamburg. Yeah, Hamburg aren't doing well. Don't no, they? they're not. Yeah. But he's doing quite well for Hamburg. And of all of the responses on Twitter, uh, he picks up a staggering amount of likes on one of the responses. But I'm I'm willing to be overruled, and I like Fabrice Fernandez. I'm, I'm going to go. My plump would be Fernandez. So. Uh, and and Dom has made his feelings very clear, so we will respect them. Right, striker. Uh, only there's, one there's only one. There's only one player that can go in here. The little aeroplane himself. <laughs> there's another one. There's another one. Are you going to go, Idiger Johnson? No, Andy Cole. Andy, oh, Cole on, Andy Cole was on Andy Cole was on loan. Yeah. Uh, in but how well did he 90s. do on his original loan? He scored he did, a goal. Uh, three goals in the league. One goal. <laughs> <laughs> and um, there is also um, Ian Dowie. Oh, stick him in. <laughs> but Montella came in and was an absolute world changer. Like, I remember the first time I remember being staggered by how play- how good a player was. Uh, that them. was another one that really excited me, the fact that we had him in. It was another one where he was coming back to regain his fitness after a lengthy spell on the sidelines. And also, but he was... just had this knack for appearing in the right place at the right time. Just to Yeah, because that, that Leicester game was my first ever away FA Cup game. I went to that one. Yeah. yeah, when he scored, I think I was really near the front. And I remember him scoring, and that was that felt weird because every other away game we we literally just lost that I've been to, so it felt like we got at least something. I remember Voltsy scoring a, a weldy that game as well. Yeah, good good away day that was actually. He got five in fourteen for Fulham. That's a good that's a good strike rate for someone who had played zero minutes in about a year. Also, there was a the really weird thing I remember when he scored his first goal. There was an interview with Chris Coleman. I was reading about this the other week, and it wasn't about Montella. I was just looking at a particular game, and it was um, 
Coleman was like, well, there's absolutely no chance that we're going to keep him. So they were like, there's nothing, there's nothing about keeping him. This is literally a six month loan deal and that's that. So they were like, he was literally like, it's just good for the fans to see a player of his caliber at the club. <laughs> and it was like really weird. But there was like this thing where it was like, we're not going to try and sign him because he'd be too expensive. Like there was no, there were no bones about it. They were just yeah. like, we just, we just got him here for six months and yeah. we're going to hope he scores some goals. It's, it's, our, it's my dream that he becomes our manager in the future. What a man. What is a it, man. He, I remember for the, um, uh, the Rome, Roma game at home in the Europa League, uh, just randomly, my brother and my dad ended up sitting next to him um, at the game, and he was wearing the shiniest suit you would ever seen in your entire life, like a shiny Roma, like that color, that burgundy maroon yeah. color, and it was shiny. I don't even know how that's possible. I don't know if um, he'll mind me saying this, but do you know the link between Vincenzo Montella and Gentleman Jim? Nope. They used to date. No. <laughs> so, Gentleman Jim, uh, back in those days, was working uh, a little bit on the side as a driver, and he was hired by Vincenzo Montella for the six months he was there to be Vincenzo's personal driver. Wow. For the entire time. So, he, uh, Jim would just be at the training ground for long days waiting for Vincenzo to come out, and they, I mean... As you probably know from Jim, he could spark up a conversation with his own feet. <laughs> um, him and Vincenzo struck up a very unlikely friendship, and I think they may even still send the old Christmas card to each other now. And I just remember Jim recalling once how he was very, very upset when Coleman left. Who Montella? Yes. Well, I, I and think... he was not a bit, and he was not a big fan of Laurie Sanchez. I don't think so anyone. I think was. yeah. I think that reflects the mood of the fans for both Coleman and Sanchez. So I think that is it then. Our Fulham loan eleven consists of Tony Warner in goal, Wayne Bridge, Philip Albert, Thomas Callas, and Moritz Foltz at the back. A midfield of Louis Boamorte, Danny Murphy, Peter Beardsley, Yanichi Inamoto, and Fabrice Fernandez. And Vincenzo Montella up front. If, it's, if I dare say, that's a pretty good eleven. I don't want to be. <laughs> I think I might have influenced this eleven. <laughs> Oh, you're not far off at all, are you? You are a contributor, isn't like I'm spot just... on. <laughs> wow, are you spot on. Goodness me, that is I a should have pushed. I should fix. have pushed the whole beat. It's a fix. Fulhamish podcast is a fix. Revelations in the studio tonight. Uh, well, that is it then. So we've decided our Fulham loan eleven. We'll post that online. Let us know whether you agree or disagree vehemently with our fixed Fulham loan 11. I'm tweeting now that I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) So we've come to the end of another podcast, uh, another busy one, that Fulham loan 11 is settled. Uh, Jack, can you think of a title for today's podcast, please? I think the very apt one step forward, two steps back was uh, the original title I was going to give before you said it in the introduction, so I'm going to give that a double whammy for the both of us. Um, So yeah, I think that's an appropriate title for this week's I think it sums up the feeling at the moment, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit disparate. Uh, so we'll be back next Monday with another podcast, of course. Uh, we'll be looking back at the Wigan games as well as looking forward to the Nottingham Forest game on Valentine's Day and also to the Spurs FA Cup fifth round match. So uh, we'll see you next week. We may have a special guest, more to be confirmed on that as we get it. Uh, Farrell, Dom and Jack, uh, we'll see you very soon. Take care now. Take care. See you.